And by the way, whenever I do take harvest an animal, I give thanks to God for allowing me to take one of his treasured. But we didn't have that luxury. We ordered out a herder's catalog, and then there was another uh, couple of magazine-type uh, places you could order stuff. But he also made the first uh, fiber sites using fishing line and stuff like that. Really? The hunt is one thing when you shoot the animal. The other hunt is the second hunt, and that's retrieving that animal. Yeah. All right, so uh, earlier you mentioned that uh, the outdoor was your, kind of your church. And is that kind of how you got into the archery side of things? Or hunting, I guess, or yeah. Hunting. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, uh, some people, the believers, you know, some people, and that's why we have churches, think that uh, we need to go to church. But as, as you know, being outdoors and, uh, uh, you know, to me, God's everywhere. And, and I'm a believer of, 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 of God, you know. I don't think you have to go to church to be a believer. Uh, but I, I do believe that uh, the outdoors is where I uh, get in touch with God. And now that gives me a, a time to reflect on uh, not the everyday things or my PTSD. I got into archery because I was a rifle hunter for a while. And uh, when I first got home, I had a 30-30, uh, I had 243, and I took some deers with that. But uh, I was out hunting one time out where I live. And I had somebody, for whatever reason, thought it was a joke, shooting towards my way. And I could hear the bullet zinging and that, and it took me back to when I was in Vietnam. And I got really mad, and I got to the point where I could have maybe killed somebody uh, in the situation I was. I was, I was going, I was back in Vietnam. I didn't like that feeling, and I went down to the bar, and I told them, I said, I don't know who's doing it, but... Uh, Next time I'm coming after you, and I meant it. And I thought, why am I being this way? I said, I can't do this anymore. So right after that happened, I decided I would never hunt again, not with a rifle. And I never even thought about archery. And uh, my brother-in-law, Steve Blackett, and a good friend of his, Dwayne Priest, uh, we got talking. We were always hanging around, having a few beers and stuff like this. And, but... Uh, they realized what was going on, and Dwayne was going to the University of, of Idaho, Boise, or he had been, and he had a Olympic bow that he shot during, uh, uh, I guess they had archery at the college. And he asked me if I would like to try shooting the bow. I never even thought about it. And the more we talked, you know, and hung out, and so one day I said, well, let me try it. Well, this bow, I think, was set, I don't know if it's a, what they're set at, 23 pounds, or, but it's recurve type with all the gadgets on there and everything. I couldn't even pull it back hmm. I, because of my injuries and stuff like that. And not only that, as you know, you probably laughed at it a few times. You see a big guy that lifts weights in the archery shop, Gonna go pull back up even a fifty pound bow, can't even pull it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got muscles and he knows he's got strength, but not the kind of strength to use to push and pull mm -hmm. with a bow. Yeah. That used to tickle me more than anything. <laughs> but here I am, I can't even pull twenty three pounds back, recurve, and as you know it stacks up as you pull it back. Yeah. And I couldn't even hardly get it back. So he says, Okay, take it home. And I had to practice as far as I could pull it back and hold for the count of 10. And sometimes it would only be like here. And I would count to, to 10 and then let down. Finally, it got so I could pull back. And I shot two fingers Apache style, two fingers under because of my hand. Uh -huh. I could get, and I was shaking like a mad dog. <laughs> and I, don't let go of the string because I don't want to break the bow. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I let down. I can't remember what day that was, but that was such a neat feeling. And to other people that are probably physically capable and the technology we have now, I hope they can kind of relate to that. It's, uh, and maybe they can't because they're, they're so strong to begin with. But for me to get that strength anchored 
at the corner of my mouth and hold for the count of ten. I bet. I mean, that was like my birthday. Game, yeah. You know? I mean, I, and I got so I could do that. And I thought, okay. And I, I did that for several weeks. And when I could finally hold to the count of ten, so finally, and in, in my backyard I had a butt uh, set up uh, made out of cardboard and a target. So he brings three arrows. And uh, I go, oh, I get three arrows. And they were his arrows that he had for his bow. And I had a tab. And I shot patchy style. Like I said, the tab was uh, underneath the knock. And uh, I thought, here we go. So I got, I got thinking, I'm going to shoot arrows today. <laughs> well, it wasn't that easy. And you got to remember, this uh, young man, Dwayne, he'd shot before. And he was teaching me how to shoot, basically. Uh, so I pulled back the string, and I, I had an arrow in there, and he said, okay. No, you're not going to shoot. He said, let down. So I had to do that, I don't know how many times, count to ten, with an arrow knocked. And then the, I pulled back on the rest, let down. I did that for I don't know how many weeks. Finally, he came over, and he says, how are you doing? I said, well, I, and then he said, concentrate on a spot, a little spot on, the, on, on your target there. He says, you're looking at the whole target. He said, now he put a target uh, he put a uh, target up there that he had. It had a little uh, dot on it. So he says, I want you to look at that dot. Just concentrate on that dot. Don't look at the whole target. Concentrate on that spot. So I would do that every day. I'd go out and uh, when I had time. But I, I would do it for quite a uh, while. Finally, the one day he came over and he says, okay. And he had, it, had my little quiver there. And he had a piece of pipe on the, by the side there. He took my arrows. He put them in that pipe, and he says, okay. He says, I got, oh, maybe I get to shoot today. It was really something. So he let me pull the uh, bow back with the arrow knocked, and then I concentrated on the spot. He says, okay, now follow through, and then just let the, your bow hand, you know, relax. So I let that happen, and I felt so good when I let go of that arrow. And I went to reach for another arrow. He said, no. <laughs> well, why not? He says, you're not ready for another arrow. So he says, I want you to walk to the target and uh, concentrate on what you did. I hit pretty close to the, but I wasn't like, I want like 10 feet or, you know, I was close. Yeah. He didn't want to put me back because I missed for sure. But I, it was like maybe 10 feet, which, you know, be not very far. And I thought, he said, I want you to think about what you did wrong, why you didn't hit that spot. And I'm thinking, I think, well, maybe I wasn't thinking hard enough on the little spot. I was thinking big target. And I got walk up there, and I pulled the arrow up. And those times uh, we had those little helpers, you know, the round deals mm -hmm. you could put on there. Yeah. Or you, what we used is uh, uh, anything that you could grab a hold of the arrow and pull out. The arrow. So I pull out the arrow and I'm going back and he had me do that again and again. I don't know how long he had me do that. Finally, he would let me shoot more than one arrow, but I had to walk to, I'd shoot all three arrows and walk, not more than three arrows, walk to the butt, pull them out. And I guess he was training my mind, you know, but, uh, I kind of liked that, you know, and then, uh, I joined the ar 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 archery club there. He belonged to the archery club. Both of them did because they were shooting. Uh, it's in Elko. That was in Elko when we first started out. They only had one little archery uh, shop. Uh, it was run by Ed Dalton. He was a uh, detective for the police department, and this was kind of his little uh, way of getting away from the police department and, and having some free time and doing what he liked to do because he was a pretty good shooter. And... Uh, so uh, I joined the archery club and met a few of the other people there, but uh, I couldn't hardly shoot very many arrows. And to do a 12-round uh, animal round, you know, you shoot three arrows if you have to, or depending <coughs> on how many arrows you had. And we had 28 targets, you know. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't shoot a lot. I mainly spent most of my time at the practice, but, but I liked it. And uh, I started shooting, and I shot two fingers under with no sights or anything like that. Then it got so I couldn't really, when we got in competition, I started shooting with a release because my fingers, uh, patchy style, uh, 
was getting harder for me to pull back the string. And then later on, I, I bought a bow. I think it was a carol at that time. because my uh, brother-in-law. They were shooting carols at that time. Oh, compound. You went Com to a compound, compound bow. bow. Uh, and then my wife had an old Jennings uh, bow. Mm -hmm. It had the pulleys on that that looked like a recurve with the pulleys on yeah. that. In fact, mm -hmm. we still have it. It's collectors. But, uh, <clears throat> so I started shooting that carol at really low poundage. It cranked it down as low as it could go. And I shot with a release, and I shot... Uh, bow hunter freestyle then at that time uh, because I, I didn't have the pen so Dwayne go, Gil, you're hurting yourself. And I said, what do you mean? I says, this way I can shoot. He says, well, if you're going to call into competition, which they wanted me to do, closely, uh, slowly get into that. And, and so I got into competition and so I thought, he says, you ought to put sights on there. He says, you're not, you're shooting in the same, you're shooting against the guys because you got to release the guys that have five pens. Yeah. At that time when we were allowed five pens. So I said, well, okay, so we got me set up for a uh, sight, and I got I got pretty good at, at the targets and that. So that's how I kind of got into archery is because my brother-in-law and his good friend, uh, Dwayne Priest, he, and he lives up in uh, up uh, in northern Idaho, too, up in uh, uh, that little finger that goes way up to the top. Panhandle. Yeah, and uh, he's retired now from his surveying job, and his wife's retired, but... Uh, he got him. Him and my brother-in-law got me into archery, and, it, and a lot had to do with. Uh, uh, I never really started hunting until later, though. I got pretty good at. I did competition. Uh, I got pretty good at shooting my, my bow, and I got to where I could hold more poundage. And later on, I even worked my way up to the max. Seventy pounds is the max I could ever hold. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't hold it very long, and as you know, we didn't have the let off that bows have. Now. Oh yeah, fifty percent let off. That was like yeah. Initially, so, I think it was thirty three, and then yep. it went to fifty. And, and uh, so, yeah. it was quite a deal to hold hold the arrow back that long. If you were shooting Apache style or recurve, you didn't need to worry about it because you pull back and shoot. Which I wish I could have uh, uh, done that. Uh, some of the guys instinctive. That's the way to shoot if you can shoot. Oh yeah, because you got to try and guess the yardage, and then yeah. You know, get your pin close to there, or a little higher, a little low, depending yeah. on where you want to shoot. And all this stuff's going through your head, and then by then the deer's gone. <laughs> or the animal. <laughs> yeah. So these are trying times, you know, and I'm trying to learn. And finally, I got to be pretty good, so I think it was closer to like, uh, oh, I went to hunting deer. I wasn't very good at it. I hunted antelope for seven years before I finally got one <laughs> that's pretty and, good though there's a lot of people that, yeah especially spot I'm, you just spot and stock most yeah, all was, the time yeah, yeah i was doing that and yeah. then i thought there's got to be a way, better way so finally a friend of mine says we built blinds out of sagebrush and stuff like that then but uh there's got to be a better way so i liked that better i had then i could you know arrange, we had our own range fighters where you would bring the two symbols yep. together <laughs> yeah well, i still got it i yeah. uh, uh, we're a master bow hunter instructor. So this is some of the equipment that we had. And in those days, you got to remember, they didn't have archery shops like they have now. Yeah. I mean, a place to shoot an indoor, man, yeah. I'd have loved that. Yeah. And now we do it at Gun World, you know, archery there in Elko, but And then Bob Sneed had one uh, when he had his. But we didn't have that luxury. We ordered at a herder's catalog, and then mm. there was another uh, couple of magazine-type uh, places you could order stuff. So what we would do, we because in those times we didn't want to try a lot of different things, each one of us would get a new gadget and we would try it. And if we didn't like it, we'd pass it to the next guy and let him try it <laughs> to see if they liked it, especially with releases when they came out and sights. Mm -hmm. Sights was a big uh, deal. My friend in Arizona that uh, uh, shot, and he uh, made uh, Carol handles for a while too, but he also made the first uh, fiber sights using fishing line and stuff like that really yeah and then because he was a machinist and he worked uh at, at gore gore gore-tex gore and flagstaff which make the uh artificial heart valves so he had a machine oh. shop and he was he, he was really good at that so he made some of the first sites that were used uh like that and uh so he would he would send it up to me and uh you know later on i'd pay him for something but uh uh, he was good at that, so I got into that, and he made stabilizers uh, that they didn't have at first, you know, but uh, a lot of stuff. So 
it was trial and error back then. Yeah. Right. And now I'm, I think some of the younger people don't really realize what they have. No. Or appreciate it. You know, and you like know that. Just the weight. <clears throat> you know, I know John and I have talked about this before. Back years ago, it was heavy aluminum arrows and using eight arrow quiver. Yeah. And then you had a heavy bow to start off yeah. with, nothing like it is now. And you pack that around. And I mean, you know, you hear people say, oh, yeah, that bow's heavy. It weighs four pounds. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> that was half a bow. <laughs> Plus, by the time you had all aluminum arrows and the eight arrow quiver, and finally they went to the, some of the smaller quivers. But it was it was a lot to pack around, that's for yeah. sure. So funny, I can appreciate that. It's funny you should say that because I had that. And uh, I remember almost... Uh, the weight wise was like AM fourteen. I go, wow, you know, yeah, right? <laughs> and I couldn't believe how heavy it was when you had it all decked out. Oh yeah. Finally, uh, and, and as I get older, I I have a, a probably a, a quiver, but I only when I I hunt, I take probably four four arrows. Yeah. Because I plan on making the first shot exactly. Down. And if I got to go through four four arrows, that animal's probably long gone. Yeah. Right. Or and then uh, I remember a friend telling me one time. He emptied his quiver and he had to go back, look around for his arrow. So, because he, yeah. <laughs> he had that many shots, I said, "You got to." Yeah. I never get opportunities like that. And you probably relate to that. Yeah. How come somebody else gets an opportunity to shoot that many <laughs> arrows? Go pick them up and shoot them again. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. uh, that—that's what uh, archery is about. You know, is, is uh, not only uh, taking an animal, but uh, and by the way, whenever I do take harvest an animal, I give thanks to God for allowing me to take one of His treasured. Yep. Animals. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't appreciate uh, their wildlife or why they're out there probably shouldn't be hunting. You are taking a life. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and granted, it's utilized, you know, to eat. Yeah. But still, you, it is something you don't ever take it lightly. No, and that's why I always practice. Mainly, I practice so my first shot would count. And don't get me, don't get me wrong. I've missed a lot. Yeah. You look at the horns, you know, when there's a big dandy out there and you're oh, going to yeah. hit him right in the racks and, <laughs> or miss him completely and graze him, you know. And, but that happens, and that's part of archery. And then some people have lost animals too, you know, but that's part of hunting. You make every effort, like we say in the uh, bow hunter ad, the hunt is one thing when you shoot the animal. The other hunt is the second hunt, and that's retrieving that animal. Yeah. It's so important important to learn skills from people that you know, how to do grit squares, how to do blood trailing, you know, because it's a long uh, lost uh, art. Yeah. People think, because a lot of times animals won't go very far, especially with the arrows we have, the carbon arrows we have and the bows that can put them out there Broad that ends. fast. Yeah. But I, can't, I can tell you that an uh, individual that tells me they know exactly where the arrow hit that animal probably doesn't really unless they got a, a knock that's lit and even then it's not going to be exactly where he, he thought he was going to hit that yeah animal. right if that animal is standing still and is you know 20 30 40 yards or and i have friends that can shoot up to 80 yards you know and hit a silver dollar at 80 yards all all four or five arrows but it's different when you're shooting at a, a real live animal and i try to tell people the best hunt i have on is trying to put my skills good enough to get in within 30 yards. Yeah. Or I pick my, as I got older, I hunt out of blinds, mm -hmm. ground blinds, tree stands or whatever, mm -hmm. because I can pick my spot when that animal gets into where I've ranged in the yardage. I know what the Sorry. yardage is. I wait for that animal to give me the best shot I can take on that animal. Mm -hmm. uh, some people might have things against people that hunt in, in blinds and that. But as yeah. you get older, and I, I know young people, and, and all of that, sometimes that's the only way you're going to get an animal. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like antelope. Yeah. You think you're going to go out there. I've heard, and I, I also measure for Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, and, and I, I see in our records we keep track of people that stock animals. And that skill is a very good skill if you have it. And I have some friends that are really good at it, but I have friends like, like myself. They just will stay in a blind or a tree stand because <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to get an animal. Antelope uh, frustrating. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how frustrating oh, antelope spotting and stalking antelope has been. You know, yeah, it's it's challenging. And you know, 
people say, well, do you get excited when you see an a, a animal, animal, animal or deer, anything coming into a blind? Oh, you bet. Yeah, absolutely. My antelope are the worst because you see them way out there, little dot. They're coming in. Pretty soon they keep getting bigger. And I try not to look up because that bothers me. <laughs> and then as they get into about, oh, about 100 yards, my old leg starts going up and down like I'm doing a dance over here by myself, you know. And I'm going, oh, God, give me this straight. And then I, my heart starts beating a little bit. And that's what it's about. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. When you get that feeling with that animal coming in on you and you think you... And uh, I don't know how many times I've, you guys have done this. I've actually had that animal in the freezer and come to find out I missed him totally. <laughs> yeah. You, and yeah. I go home with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. you, you think he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get the uh, feeling, oh, man, you already counted, you know, <laughs> chickens, you know, already, man. I go, man, this is a bad deal when you get, I thought, I'm not going to think that way because I'm going to wait till after I get the shot off. Right. <laughs> And then you got to try and find the animal. But uh, the hardest thing is uh, trying to make sure that you don't anticipate what's going to happen later on. And you're always thinking, oh, i got to take this one to the taxidermist or, yeah. or the meat place and get him cut up. Or right. yeah, I'm going to take him home and get him cut up. And I'm going to have this done that. And you miss. Yeah. And that is a, And that's the way you learn, though. You yeah. know, you got to learn that uh, not all hunts are successful. Right. But the memories you have, especially if you got... A young one that you're teaching, you know, I can't think of a better memory than having one of your little ones go out with you and, and take yeah. an animal. Or even when they're too young, if they can go out with you and learn. Yeah. I don't know if you have kids that did that when yeah. you were hunting a ground blind or a tree stand or just they're going out with you and learning right. or camping, you know. Uh, so many people don't do that anymore. They think that, uh, you know, the... Uh, the elk that you shot, the deer you shot, comes from McDonald's. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know, and it's sad. Yeah. It's really sad. I do recall a, a time my daughter, she was five. She was so excited. I was taking her hunting, you know, and we were in a blind. Because I thought, okay, she could move around a little bit there, you know. And I says, you know, I told her, I says, be quiet. I hear something coming. And she goes, where? And she stuck her head right out of the blind. And then I heard it tear it off. <laughs> Says, what was it? I don't know. I seen, seen a flash of something. Like, but you know what? We, yeah, it was just those good times like that. Yeah. The memories you you know you'll yeah. have forever. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, they're because of, of of what you taught them. And you know, there's not a big percentage of uh, young people that get into hunting anymore. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's really sad. Or even fishing. You know. Yeah. You know that uh, it's an opportunity for people to appreciate. Uh, wild game, yeah, uh, and uh, opportunity to learn how to cook it. You got to cook it a little bit different, and mm -hmm. tastes a little bit different. But uh, you know, I don't think I've ever had a. I think I had one antelope that was pretty bad because he ran, ran, and I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, my dog wouldn't even eat the meat. But <laughs> that was bad. You still, bad. you're still an active, uh, active um, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young scorer. Correct. Yes, I am. Uh, yeah. In fact, I just got back from Springfield. We had uh, a panel judges uh, uh, meeting back there. We measured uh, almost a hundred animals, uh, mm. and out of those hundred animals, we probably—it's hard to believe, even with Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young, because I also measure for Pope and Young, and I'm on the records committee for Pope and Young, uh, panel judge also. But uh, that we have animals at world class caliber even in these days mm. because as you know with all the gimmicks that we have that we didn't have in, in my time the cameras you know uh, you probably go to a water hole and you might find 10 cameras all set up on the same place mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of sad that we have the technology that way or you have uh, uh, cameras and people have the capability yes. of just watching those animals at home and then they go out yeah. and, and we have rules against that stuff you know and I know some states will allow you to have the cameras in place uh, for watching the water holes and stuff like that, and then you got to take them in like Nevada does. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you have, have a, a limited time yeah. now, right? Yeah, I do remember a, a guy telling me he checked a water hole, um, and there was twenty three cameras on there. Yeah. And I mean, it it's kind of a well. I know John have talked and I talked about this when we primarily the place I've used cameras when i started using them is um 
um, bear hunting when we're mm-hmm. bear hunting over a because we could still bait here. And I think of back years ago, you know, we didn't have them and it was just mm-hmm. a, a, a toss of a coin on even if something was going to come in. Right. Yeah. When or if. Yeah. Well, as you know, uh, having that capabilities or the uh, bows that we have now and the carbon arrows and the technology that we have, as you know, it makes it a lot easier for us to uh, take an animal, but it seems like the animals have uh, gotten smarter just yeah. as, as we've gotten better in technology. But uh, I think you have to, uh, everybody has to decide what is fair chase. Yeah. And that's what uh, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young Club hopes that people will take that into consideration. You know, uh, what is really fair chase? I know when I uh, rifle hunted, uh, take an animal at five or 600 yards, that was nothing. But to take an animal at 20 or 30 yards and put that skill into there, I feel so much better. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything bad about rifle hunting because I, I did rifle hunt five years ago when I got my bull elk. Mm-hmm. And, but the technology that we have, the scope and the bullets we have, matching the range finders, and you know, we use range finders too uh, as archers. But at least they're not on the bows and giving us that instant uh, range, you know, which would not give that animal, uh, in my opinion, a, a fair shake on this uh, hunt. So what I do is I use a range finder, but I'll, I'll range rocks or whatever. I'll put a stick out there. So I know my yardage, but at the same time, if that animal doesn't go there yeah. where I have a marker, mm-hmm. I still have to use my brain a little bit and estimate what the yardage yeah. is. But do I add five or... Do I deduct three or, right. you know, so it's still a, uh, to me, it's still a, uh, a skill. Yeah. It now, is, I know Pope and Young, if you got any type of like a lighted knock, you can't put it in the books. Is that still? I think the lighted knock, we went over that. I think you can use a lighted knock can because you? it's not assisting you. And then we did had a discussion not too long ago about uh, a light on a site. Yeah, and uh, you're going to see some new rules come out. I'm not going to go into detail on those because the new rules on in the fair chase, you'll see a, a, a little bit of a change. Different. Yeah. How about yeah. with for Boone and Crockett? Can you have like Anything. some of those scopes uh, that have a rangefinder in them and all that? Does, does that you know? Be, do you know? It seems to me I can't really remember what the ruling was on that. You know, but uh, picked up or. Anything that's shot with a rifle basically can be entered. You know, oh. you can uh, if you have a, a animal shot with a crossbow, you can enter that too. Oh, okay. A picked up animal. We just that's measured right. a new. Uh, well, it's not a new world record like the one that came out of uh, Yellow out of the park. Uh, uh-huh. A sheep, Rocky Mountain sheep. Oh. a real big one. I think he's going to still be in the top five or so. You know, but oh. I can't remember if he was a world record or not. You know, oh. uh, I didn't measure that one, but uh, you know. Uh, there are different things, and there's a uh, on the back of the score sheet or in the online of Boone and Crockett or the Pope and Young Club, there is a, f- a fair chase statement. Okay. And if you abide by those, and if you don't, doesn't mean that uh, you didn't have access. So hunt, harvesting an animal, it's just not meant to be put in, the, in that book. Yeah. You have to have some restraints. It's like everyday life, uh, uh, firemen or a policeman, they, we have to live by some of those rules. You know, we try to change them as we go, and we've, ha- we've changed a lot of uh, the rules in the Pope and Young Club yeah. that we allow now, that we didn't allow I remember uh, some of them. a few years back when I first started. Mm-hmm. And I'm old school. They said, well, okay, well, how do you feel, Gillis? Well, we didn't. Uh, I said, well, that didn't work. And they go, oh, yeah, here comes Gil, old school. It didn't work. I go, wait a minute, give me you know, a chance to talk. I go, it didn't work because of this reason. We didn't have the technology that we have now. Yeah. If you can make it work now, maybe we need to look at it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's basically why they keep me around as one of the older measures. Mm-hmm. They try to keep some consistency on how we've measured in the past. Mm-hmm. And then we're trying to bring in newer, younger people. Yeah. So that we get that uh, young uh, blood in there too. Because if you know, it's just like our hunting if we don't get the younger uh, hunters motivated, yeah. we may not ever have a hunting season. Yeah. Or you go to lobby against uh, what the animal right people want to do to us in certain areas or, you know, hunting seasons. 
they'll use that to their advantage because they know that we're not strong in numbers like we used to be. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they know that, uh, you know, before uh, hunting was for basically for, uh, it was for your meat, mm -hmm. you know, to survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why it started. But uh, as it's gone on, it's, it's gone for pleasure, you know, and, and, uh, and some people do it for the, I think for the wrong reason is for the record book. But I try to tell people that I measure for us is, uh, I'm going to measure this animal. I don't know, and I kind of have an idea. But they'll put me on the spot. What they'll score? Oh man, I'm the worst guesser. <laughs> no, I don't ever want to say it. Well, it, it's 180, you know, buck, and then it's not even 155. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad, but I'm see sure what I'm not. getting at. Uh, you're. Uh, they try to put you on the spot, and when it, it's not what you said, then they go, oh, you know. But it, I try to tell them, even the rifle hunters, I says. Remember when you looked at that animal, how you felt? Why did you squeeze the trigger or, or let that arrow go? Because you were happy with that animal at that time. There yeah. you go. That's I all said, that really so matters. Do not let the score ruin that for you. Yeah. Oh, I thought it would score higher than that. I don't know if I want to enter it now because they want you know a higher score in the book. I says, it's not just about that. I yeah. said, let me ask you this. I says, you got a book animal regardless of which book it is. Exactly. Yeah. I says, and not only that, I says, you know how many times I've hunted and not had a book animal? But I says, the memories that I cherish will never go away. And the friendships I've met. Yeah. I've met people that I've helped, and I'm 100% disabled, and I still help them in whatever way I can, and they help me out a lot. Because hunting is being a, a good steward, not only to the, to the animal or the land that you're hunting on, but to each other, yeah. as have respect for each other. And, uh, you know, and if you can help somebody out, they're going to help you. Yeah. Somebody's going to help you. And that's the way it's pay forward, you know, they call that's it. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity for people to learn how to share, uh, whether it's sharing water holes. If you've got more than one blind, I know I do that. I'll mark two blinds. I always just do it. And then I'll look at the tracks and that. Or a friend of mine's got, uh, camcorders on there. I'll I'll ask him which one's the better one. But then again, you know, if you got several water holes in the area, you never know where those animals are going to go. They're uh, creatures of habit, but a lot of times, habit changes because of uh, where people are at. Yeah, mm -hmm. pressure could push pressure. them somewhere so, else. Yeah. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. I do that, but uh, you know, I share. I'll tell them. I'll say, I'm going to use this blind, and if I'm going to be gone, you know, because of my position in the VFW. I'll say, I'm going to be hunting it for five days, good five days, and I'm going to be gone for four days or whatever. And if you want to use my blind, and, you know, and I know there might be a nice buck in there, and if they take it, I guess it was my loss. It was meant, yeah. never meant for me to shoot it yeah. anyway, yep. is the way I see it. But yeah. And I've had people do that. Whoa, Gil, I got a really nice deer out of there. I go, geez. <laughs> I guess I, I shouldn't have gone home. I'm as, I'm as happy as I can be. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> But hey, you know, things like that happen and uh, it's just being able to, to get out there. And you know, my measuring, and I'm gonna share this with you is, and my measuring, and uh, like I've said before, my church is out in the outdoors, you know, and sitting there and they say, how can you just sit there for hours? I said, there's so much, I can watch an ant build a, a, right. a little ramp to get a rock moving or whatever it's taken to the its nest. and. Or squirrel, you know. Yeah. And then birds, you know, birds will tell you when animals are coming in. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll uh, squawk. Yeah, they'll tell you. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can learn, but I. You got to uh, just soak it all up. Yeah. Everything. And that's what I do is when I'm out there, uh, even just sitting, it's the quietness that I can enjoy. Mm -hmm. I don't hear uh, the shooting, I and I don't have to think about uh, what happened. You know, 54 years ago in Vietnam, and, and uh, I try to just maintain it. It just helps me to be myself, and it and it uh, helps me with my PTSD. Mm -hmm. Because when you live like I have, like I tell people, the day I die is the day I get to rest, and that's kind of true. Mm -hmm. The memories and the and the things that haunt me sometimes, it's not all the time. Something will trigger something. It's just like in your everyday life. Something you'll 
somebody will do something or remember you'll remember hopefully these are good thoughts of something one of your kids did oh man i remember that right. so clearly you know mm -hmm. but in my case it's something bad that happened to me but don't get me wrong uh i was only in vietnam for four months but i have some good memories there too you know mm -hmm. and uh, there was a time when i couldn't even talk about it but uh when the moving wall came to elko they asked some of us veterans if we wouldn't mind going to the schools, you know, uh, high school and uh, the, at one of their uh, gatherings. I can't remember what they call them now, but uh, they'd get all the kids together and they wanted to talk to Vietnam veterans, and uh, they get three of us. Or if we had a, uh, a Korea, Vietnam, or whatever we had, you know, younger one, Desert Storm, now, but we have a dozen with, with those. But... Uh, they asked me if I wanted to share my story. And I thought, what am I going to talk about? I was hesitant at first. And for a long time, I would just tell people that I know my story or people that uh, I thought needed to hear something because of what they were dealing with in their own lives. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help them. But uh, I thought, okay, I'll do it. So I went home. And in my little case I have, I have uh, three pieces of bamboo. So I, I, I thought to myself, and I have a helmet, and uh, I had a dummy grant, but I didn't want to dare take that to school. But, uh, <laughs> then you could, but now you wouldn't even dare go, you know, here, I got a grenade, you know. <laughs> but I had some others that had the, uh, everything taken out of them, you know. I, and, uh, but uh, I thought, what am I going to talk about? So I talked about my experience uh, with bamboo. I, I told them how it could be your friend. Uh, I, I told you about the bungee pits and uh, going through uh, advanced jungle training and yeah. uh, we learned how uh, they would do things to uh, slow us down and uh, some of you have probably seen some of those movies where they've had all these different uh, things that uh, they could do with bamboo, mm -hmm. booby traps and stuff yeah. like that and it's all true but uh, they were good at that but uh, so I told them about that and then I would tell them about the bamboo. I have a bamboo story. One time I went up into the highlands and it's like a canopy, and it's dark in there. And I thought I was buttoned up really good, but I had three leeches on me. I don't know how they got mm -hmm. on my body. Because, you know, of course, we had holes. I wore the same uh, clothes that I had when I first went over there. We didn't, I had two pairs of pants and two tops, and that's what I wore. Mm -hmm. And that tell you, in that uh, soil and that weather over there, they they were out fast. I had a pair of boots wore out, and I got another pair of boots, but... Uh, and that was just four months. Wow. But uh, so maybe I had a hole in them, but they found a way in there. But we get into the highland, and uh, I tell the kids, uh, we run out of food and water after seven days. We up there for seven days, we're not out of food and water except for what we had. And uh, we're on a, a seek and destroy missions. And uh, the uh, sergeant says, okay, here's bamboo, you know, and remember how to do it, put a little hole on top. And then when you get to, ready to drink, you're supposed to check, make sure there's no other little holes in that bamboo because different things like to lay their eggs in their larvae of some kind. So mine looked good, and I punched a little hole in the bottom, and I started drinking the water out of the bamboo. And I'll, I get down, the bamboo gets down a little ways, and I'm sucking on there, and then something goes down my throat, and I go, <laughs> oh, God, oh, no. what was that? <laughs> you know, it's like, like when if you ever chewed just falling a little bit of chew. <laughs> Man, I'm about ready to gag, and I'm going, oh, God, I don't know what it was because yeah. it went down. Right. You know, I go, oh, man. Protein. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> the kids start laughing. They like that. So I, I get a kick out of that. So that made me feel good, you know. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's bad times and things we did, you know, but there's also some good things and that you can teach kids to appreciate, but... War's not, not, not pretty at all. But, and that's why, you know, when I had opportunity to get into archery, I got into archery. Yeah. You know, I've been successful. I took a desert bighorn sheep in uh, 1984. Oh, wow. Uh, at that time, I was well, really low. I was like one in five, I remember. But then uh, it seemed like that year, everybody else had uh, desert bighorn sheep tags or sheep tags. Man, I got knocked down real fast. So <laughs> Man, I don't know where it sits now, but... Uh, I was fortunate to take a desert bighorn sheep back That's then. That's awesome. I took, uh, I've taken elk, a couple of elk in Arizona. I've taken uh, three or four elk in Colorado and in Nevada. 
uh, uh, two years ago, I took a nice six by six uh, bull uh, over in Area Eight where I, I grew up. So, oh, cool. But uh, what I want to say is, we talked about, or you do, about seasoned hunters. Being a seasoned hunter or older, I'm just so you know, I'm 74 years old. I'll be 75, and being 100% disabled, you come up with other challenges. And uh, I got to tell you, I've never felt so bad or a reality check. And everybody that's probably watching this will have that happen to them eventually. You get out there, and uh, your mind thinks you're still 21, 22, and you're strong but your body knows that you're older uh, in a lot season. of ways. <laughs> and you're feeling it, you know, whether it's climbing the hills or rocks and that. And and you heard uh, Chuck Adams' uh, some of his stories, how he climbs, a, got a billy goat and climbs down a rope and over, the, you know, hand yeah. to hand and bow hanging. And I go, oh, man, I how would it be to be able to do something like that and yeah. live to do that? But So I got to admire him for that. But as an individual... Uh, seeing that happen to myself uh, two years ago when I got my elk with a bow at 30 yards in Nevada. When I was sitting in my blind, I almost cried because I thought, what am I doing here? What am I going to do if I shoot this big bull? And you know, they weigh a lot. Were you by yourself? Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, a six, seven hundred pound animal by yourself. I thought to myself, almost cried, and I still think about it now, and it brings tears to my eyes. Reality check. You're getting older, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. I almost packed up my stuff because I didn't want to hit an animal and think that that animal would spoil before I could get a help. But I have a, a couple of friends. Before I went out there, and uh, I thought about that, and I'm kind of one that hunts by myself. Maybe you two hunt together. You know how it is. Mm -hmm. You trust somebody else, and yeah. before you know it, your whole water hole or your hunting area has gone to shit because somebody told yeah. everybody. Yeah. Or and I've I've got friends that uh, they don't want to put animals in the in the books and that because they have people follow them. Yeah. Because that's what it does. You a lot of times it's good. It's good for us to keep track of uh, animal structure or how animals live and, are, and do different things, but it's bad in, in some ways because uh, some of these people, they don't really have a life because people want to know where they hunt so they can get in there. Like, they want a shortcut. Yeah. It's like a guy catches a big fish in that little pond right there. Pretty soon you have 20 other people. They think they're going to catch the same uh, fake, big fish there, and it, it's possible. But they know that guy caught a big fish there or shot a big animal there. They want an opportunity like it's going to be there. Yeah. And you know as well as I do, if, if you do any hunting, uh, that's not always the case. There might be a, another animal that uh, may be as close to that or a little bit less. But as you know, like world record animals, uh, to get a world record animal is far and in between. So yeah, I try to... When, I, when that happened to me, though, is when I wanted to get back to it. It really bothered me a lot. But I, luckily, I had a couple of friends. One was a retired school teacher, and the other one was a retired city person. And they're both uh, hunters, and they know my situation. Going in, uh, they told me, Gil, doesn't matter when you get this animal, we'll be there for you. So I called this one good friend of mine. He runs uh, dogs. He comes up here to Idaho. And, hunts with his hounds too and he's a houndsman too he belongs mm -hmm. to that club trapper they do trapping and that him and his wife I I called him up I I went back to camp and so I called him and I was going to pack up my stuff and leave and I says Rich I says uh, does that still go that doesn't matter when I get something that you'll come and help me he says yeah 24-7 he's retired you know and him and his son liked to hunt and just go around, and they didn't have tags, you know, but they liked to still go out and be yeah. around things. So I, I thought about it, and then, so uh, I think it was a couple of days later, I called him up, and he was on his way to, to Reno to do some stuff, and he had his son with him. I says, Rich, I got one. He says, you did? I go, yeah. 
And this is like, I waited till after dark because I couldn't tell where the animal went. And uh, I looked for blood and these new broadheads, I was using the Rage uh, two blade. When it went in, there was no blood trail at all after we found the animal. I, there was hardly any blood there at all. And I thought, oh, did I miss? And you know how you're thinking, you, you can't, I couldn't sleep. So I, but I called him up, I says, I hit one, but I don't know how bad. I says, the last place I was looking is where my arrow should have gone. You know, it was quartering away from me, so I went right behind that last rib. I said, that's what I was seeing, and that's when I let go. The animal was standing there, you know, pushing the other cows and one little five-by-five five bull around, so trying to get into the, get a drink. So I knew uh, where he was at and what he was doing, and he wasn't really pushing alive, just using his rack to knock these other guys out of the way or and the, and the cows. And this is all I could remember, so I said, I think I had a good hit. I said, but I didn't find any blood. I mean, I looked, I had my flashlight and everything and went back to what I was basics. And I thought, oh man, what if I went in the pond and I didn't see anything and you know, all these things, I just could not sleep. But he said, well, I'll be out. He says, I gotta, I'm coming back from Reno. I'm going out my Spring Creek and drop my son off out there. And he said, I'll be out there. So I'm laying there, I can't sleep. And about t between 10 and 11 o'clock, here he comes. I could hear him on the, on the, on this road that we use. And uh, I said, well, let's go take a look. So he, he's got lights, I got light, we go look. He said, oh man, I can't see anything. So I said, well, let's go back, get try and get some sleep and we'll come hit it first daylight. So at first daylight, we went back down there. Naturally, there was elk down there. And I thought, well, that's the way it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we get down there and look around. I thought, ah, did I shoot low? Because I was using a, a bow, and I found out sitting in that blind, it was set at, uh, it's a new uh, PSC, uh, well, to me it was uh, EVO, or G-Force. And then so I couldn't pull it back, and it was set at about 55 to 60 pounds. So I, I have, uh, Jim Algiero got me this bow set up, and uh, got me carbon arrows, and he said, Gil, you gotta get out of the aluminum, the 20, uh, 2117s or 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are good, you know, my satellite uh, broadheads. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> so he says, you need to do something different. So he got me set up. I was like, well, okay, this is modern age. I never should carbon arrows too, you know, this is dang. I knew, uh, uh, anyway, he, uh, I tried to pull that bow back. I have both bows out there, but I antelope hunt and I was in a, my blind and I couldn't pull my bow back. You ever been in that situation, your muzzles? One time. Muscles? Yeah. So my advice to some of the hunters that pull back heavy poundage, sit down and see if you can pull it back sitting down oh. or kneeling down because you use different muscles and your body's pulling at you differently. Right. Well, that happened to me. I was sitting in a, on my knees, you know, and I went to just to see if I could shoot. And I couldn't pull my bow back. And I thought, what am I doing here? This is antelope hunt. I had an antelope hunt before I got my elk tag, oh. uh, my elk hunt. So uh, I thought, yeah. So I, I, right then and there, I, 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 uh, I lo loaded up my bow and walked back to the truck. And I thought, what am I going to do? So I had my other bow there, and it's a uh, PSC uh, Evil. I think that's a new, newer. I got G-Force and yeah. Evil. Mm -hmm. So, and then the poundage you can hold back the let off. I yeah. thought, oh man, this is sweet. 75 yeah. or 80 So it yeah. said it's 52 pounds, 51, 52 pounds. And I thought, oh man, this is so much easier. And I kind of sat down and I could pull it back so easy. And I said, like, uh, rubber band, you know, I'm going back and forth. <laughs> this is it. This is, man, I couldn't believe how easy it was. And it's lighter. And so, uh, and it had a, a quiver that had like, eight arrows and I took that off and I had an old bear uh, quiver that uh, snaps on. Yeah. And it, I have three, I put three arrows and I liked it so much better. Now that I could pop it off a lot easier. Yeah. So when I'm in a blind, I just take it off and set my arrows there and then I lean the arrow up or I'll have it knocked with a bow hanger mm -hmm. and I'll have it there. And my, I shoot an old barner release so that's even harder to oh. get around the loop. So what a lot of times if I see an animal coming in, I'll set my arrow, bow on my shoe, get the arrow ready, and then I'll put my barner in there, but I already have it strapped on. 
or I don't have it strapped on depending on how I do it. And then I'll strap it on because I cannot get my barner on that loop if I have it on. It's oh. really hard. It takes me a little while, but okay. I can get it. I can't get it to snap in. That's one of is that the oh, rope for, the rope uh, nope. release or is it the hook? No, it's the hook. The hook, okay. Mine is the old Barner uh, trigger like deal. Yeah, they used to make one had yep. a rope on it. Do you remember that yeah, one too? I didn't. I don't have one. I wish I had. Yeah. It would be a lot easier. And uh, so, and I, then I was thinking, I wish Jim would have made that loop a little bit bigger. <laughs> but <laughs> I learned I could do that, and I, I'm pretty fast at it. So I got that, you know, got that ready, and I thought. Well, come to find out, you know, I thought, well, I had my other bow uh, because I couldn't pull it back. So I thought, I wonder if I use my new bow because before I used to anchor back here. And this way, Jim taught me I need mm -hmm. to practice. So I practiced here and I could shoot pretty good once my bar, uh, barner's right here. Mm -hmm. So what that does is bring your bow down. So your pins have to yeah. uh, go differently. So I thought, I wonder if I anchored in the back not knowing any better and I shot right underneath that elk that came to mind I thought oh man what if I did that out of stupidity and getting in a hurry but if you train your mind or you do it enough times you train your mind you just do it automatically and yeah. I think uh, that's what happened thank god but that went through my head and I'm thinking oh so we're out there looking and I told him where I, where I saw the elk last out there about 100 yards and both bulls were together, a younger five by five and a six by six. And then the cow, and I was writing a story about it for my brother-in-law, he likes to read my stories, but I've never had this happen. That cow must have been with that bull for quite some time. Later come to find out it was a 10 year old bull. But that cow called for that bull, stood out there oh. about 60 yards from where I was in my blind kept calling and it was starting to get a little dark by then and I felt uh, I kind of felt funny hearing that and seeing that five by five go over with her and the cows that were there and they stayed there for a long time and then finally got oh she's still calling that bull finally she gave up and they left <clears throat> you know where I got out of my blind and I spooked them but I've never, uh, I've had sheep, I mean, a desert bighorn sheep, uh, do something I never saw before, too. And each one of these animals, that's why I cherish my time with an animal after I've taken one. I respected that uh, cow for what she was going through, maybe, and the loss. Who knows how many years or how long she's been with this bull. Yeah, if he's 10, 10 years, years old. old, yeah. And she's a lead cow. Mm. She's calling him, not, not, she's not stomping, noses over that way, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he'll come back, so that's why I waited until after dark. I thought, well, maybe I just wounded that bull and he'll come back over there. But when the five, five by five went over there and that six by six did not go over there, I had a feeling, I said, I got him, mm. I had to, but you don't know for sure. sure. Yeah. So that taught me something right there. I never had that happen with my other bulls that I've taken, but sometimes there hasn't been another cow there. But to hear her calling for her mate, that sent chills down my back. Mm. And, I, and I thought about it for a little bit. And that's why, you know, the next day afterwards when Rich came, he was... No blood trail, but he can, uh, because he traps a lot and he ha uses dogs, hounds. Mm -hmm. He knew he was looking at tracks and he could see. Oh. There was two bulls in there, yeah. He said, this one? I said, yeah, that one stopped there. And he, and uh, I'm over there where I, uh, he said, oh, Gil, come on over here. He, I thought that bull had gone this way and there's a tree there. The one bull stood there, but I, it looked like it went around. Well, the way I was looking, there was a tree here. There was another tree here. It had gone up and around, and it died right there. So it was right there. Right there. Wow. About a hundred, maybe uh, about a hundred yards. Wow. And, but I couldn't see it. Wow. But uh, I thought better nah. to be safe and sorry, like you oh, played it though, you know, and you instead of know. pushing it or. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, that's good. You had help. Yeah. Luckily, Rich, and then come to find out, another guy that had uh, been watching the water holes. He's a taxidermist. He says, 
Gil, you just sit over there. So I just sat there. Him and Rich both oh, took care of nice. it. Uh, he, they caped it while he watched Rich cape it. And because uh, he's the texter, he says, Well, why didn't you get in this? Well, Rich is doing that. So as soon as they got the cape off, he did go over there and, and start cutting the quarters off. And then he, he showed me how he does the uh, the uh, cutlass, yeah, cutlass, and then the, the back straps. Yeah, man, I thought, oh, How slick! And I just got to sit. I thought, How rewarding is this for a, a 70, what, 72 year old man, you know, That's to be awesome. able to have this? You just I, missing maybe, the beers, all you're oh, missing yeah. out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, we had those later, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's kind of a but when I got there I give uh I give thanks to the uh animal gods. Yeah. Because not only because I got to shoot the animal, but he didn't suffer, you know. He yeah. only went that far. Mm-hmm. I sh- come to find out I shot him right behind that last rib, uh took out part of the liver, uh and then uh, clipped one lung and went through the other lung. Nice. But uh so he didn't go, didn't suffer a lot, but uh you know, but I'll never forget the way that cow wasn't really a bark. It was something different. Hmm. And being kind of getting dark, oh, it's yeah. eerie. I bet. Yeah. I bet. I yeah. bet. I thought to myself, what have I done? <laughs> but I'm thankful, and and I think she probably moved on and hoping, you know. I don't try to think of, about how animals feel or not. But And as you know, uh, uh, the arrow is... One of the fastest way to kill an animal, and they yeah. don't even realize they're dying. Yeah, right. yeah, they don't. Because yeah, that cuts that uh, uh, cuts pressure them. off to their brain, and they go unconscious so quick. If I had a a, a way of shooting an animal with a rifle or a bow, I'd shoot the bow. Yeah, um, the bow uh, to me is the uh, not that the rifle wouldn't do it because we see a lot of animals do it. Sure. To, to me, I like the way the bow cuts the yeah. arrow. But in yeah. that case, you have to have sharp, sharp arrows yeah good you can arrow shoot placement. any kind of arrow any bow you want you got to put the arrow there and the broad head must be sharp yeah right? absolutely don't shoot one and then think oh i can shoot it again yeah mm-hmm. exactly change it out yeah. sure it costs like ten dollars anymore my time it wasn't that much you know you could buy a dozen arrows for or broadheads for that right? yeah <laughs> no boy it's like shooting a bullet. Oh, know? I know, man. It's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. You want to go hunting? Well, let's see. Let's get you geared up. I, th- I think I end up, uh, gun world, I end up doing over $1,000. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Jim got, oh, I said, you really got me set up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no. Awesome. Well, we sincerely appreciate you coming here. Love your stories. And, you know, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, the things you do with, VFW, which is probably the most important thing, but then the things you do with teaching Hunter Ed and Bow Hunter Ed and and Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett, I know all that's volunteer stuff. How much positive impact you've had on people's lives, probably way more than you'll ever understand. But, you know, there, guys like you are far few between that do that. So my hat's off to you for not only serving our country, but... Serving the people like you have uh, afterwards has been, I'm sure, like I said, a big impact. And well, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, and I thank you for that. But it's been a pleasure of mine to do what I do. And I guess the most uh, pleasurable things is when I help a veteran and their family members. I'm in the honor guard, and the hardest thing for me to do is present that uh, next to Ken, that flag. Yeah, and I've done it many a time. And, and there was a time when I couldn't do it, but I was uh, brought in uh, about five years after I joined the VFW. I was still young. I did not want to do it, but they needed somebody, so I did it. And when that rifle, the volley of three, I go like this. I still do it now, but I, I kind of, a lot of people probably don't notice it. But uh, what it did for me, it, it made me understand that I'm here in this country in a safe atmosphere most of the time, but at the same time, it's something that I can do for my veterans and their family members. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, I want people to realize, yeah, there's a newer generation coming up, but there's also an older generation like myself. Don't count us out. Yeah. You know, we still love to hunt and fish and 
do the things that uh, our, you could say our kids are doing now, or our grandkids. As well as it's because of people like you is the reason why they can still do those, you and all veterans, you know, to keep us able to have the freedoms that we do. But I guess what I want to say, I don't want older, seasoned archers like myself to give up, like I wanted to give up. Trust a younger person. I'm, I'm thinking they'll come and help you or be there. And uh, that's the main thing is you still have an opportunity. Some of us can't pull back as many pounds because our joints are no good anymore from shooting mm -hmm. uh, or other other things. or And you know, some of them, uh, and I don't have anything against the disabled or our older uh, veterans using crossbows, you know, during the right. season. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a place for them. And there's a reason why they happen to me. I, I, I noticed uh, one guy told me that he had somebody that taught bow hunter education and he got him a, a, a deer tag. Well, he has his own property. He can take those and he always puts them out there. And uh, it was kind of hard to do with the bow uh, being a handheld one. So the kid goes and he hears about uh, crossbows. And what's he do? He comes back to hunt on the property, and, and the guy let him do that. But he said, why Why are you going to shoot with a crossbow? You can shoot with a regular bow. He says, it's a lot easier. He said, I don't have to spend as much time practicing. Huh. And I thought to myself, he told you that after everything you did for him? I said, well, that's probably true. But is the easy way always the best way? Right. And that's the same thing with fair chase. Yeah. Is the easy way or line how you took this yeah. animal, whether it was spotlighting or any other way, yeah. so it's not fair chase. Yeah. Or a collared animal and you tracked it through your iPhone or whatever, you know. Yeah. Was it, is it really uh, fair chase? So I guess that's what I asked. The you gotta be, be able to look in the mirror because yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's true. Nobody's gonna know except for you yeah. and God. Right. Yeah. Unless yep. you tell somebody or somebody saw you. Yeah. And anymore, there's a possibility somebody might have you on film. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> people tend to uh, brag about stuff they shouldn't either. Oh, yeah. They do dumb stuff like that. And, and, you know, we live in a society anymore that some things, even maybe some things that I've said will be taken wrong. you got to be politically correct. Well, bull with that. I'm not politically <laughs> correct. I'm a Marine, a Vietnam veteran with PTSD. And I just tell it like it is, That's the way you, are. you know, because I think people need to stick up for what they believe in mm -hmm. as long as it's the right thing. Yeah. And that's worth fair chase. Right. Awesome. Can't stress that enough. Nope. Well, thank you very much. I yeah, appreciate I it. super appreciate this. The, the stories were, this is by far the longest podcast we've done. And How many hours? Four? I was I was enthralled start to finish, and that's no joke. Yeah, I, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, and I hope that um, well, I had people watch and I didn't use them, but uh, I started uh, Nevada Bullhunters Association. I, I was president of uh, of the association from 1981 to 1991. I did it for five years. I think Elko Archery Club. I came back in 1980 and 1981. And then I came back in 1986 because I couldn't find anybody that take over. Mm. And I've been a, a Pope and Young measure since 1987. Wow. Uh, I got a Desert Bighorn Sheep in 1985, scored a 151 and 3.8. Mm. And then I got my first elk, and there wasn't very many elk taken with a bow in 1982. Wow. Nice. Another nice. couple of things. I went back and... But I haven't been involved in a lot of different things. I was on the county advice board to manage wildlife for 11 years, chairman. And that's, you know, how that works, uh, seasons and stuff like that. And now I'm a charter member for the Elko Bighorns Unlimited. I did 30 years with them. We all threw $25 in a pot and started that. It's still going strong. Nice. Wow. You guys are doing good. It's a younger generation. I'm so proud of them. That yeah. is awesome. And I started the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation in Elko. I did 20 years with them. That's a long time. You don't get that people is. that are dedicated that yeah. they want to stay in something that yeah. long. Right. You know, it's really hard, as you know, is to get volunteers. Yeah. You know, people don't want to volunteer anymore. Mm -hmm. They want it there for them. 
Right. And they'll bitch about it. Well, and you know, like like <laughs> I said earlier, I just, you know, you the, the volunteer stuff you've done is, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't get paid for it. Some of it, I get my expenses. Yeah. Like when I go back to Washington, D.C., they get me an airplane ticket and I have so much for uh, food. food and stuff. Yeah, yeah but it, a lot of it comes out of my own pocket. Yeah. But the things, you know what a, a psychiatrist would cost me if I had to go every time I had a moment? Right. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have any money now. <laughs> it has helped me to be the person that I am and be able to handle the things I handle. The VFW has done that for me. Because I can share my stories with other people that have the same yeah. issues. Yeah, they, or can relate, same, you know, they can relate to Just it. like hunters, yeah. you know, we, we yeah. understand each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what archery has done for me. And and two, even though I don't, I shoot a lot with a, a rifle, Boone and Crockett, just being able to measure, you know, to get ahead here and, and measure, your mind is not thinking about, well, let's see how this goes. You know, what kind of a score is that going to be? It takes your mind away from everything else. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, I kind of tell some of my my chairmans, I've gone through several chairmans uh, in Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young. I can honestly say I don't know, I says, I don't know how, if you realize what this has done for me to be on the committee. Because a lot of times you don't get on that committee that long as myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to be able to be part of this committee for this many years and have a say in what happens to the next generation of hunters. Yeah. You know, it means a lot to me. Absolutely. And that's the rifle uh, stuff hasn't changed a lot, but the Pope and Young stuff on how they see, and that again is only to get it in the record book. If you don't want to get it in the record book, you can shoot whatever you want. You yeah. Know? And right. you can shoot whenever you want, daylight, night, I don't care. I don't like it, but they can do whatever they want, but it will not go in the record book right. because of fair chase. Yeah. So, it has taught me a lot, and and to be able to make uh, new rules for the next generation of hunters that they can live with with a new technology, I'm thankful I'm I'm part of that. Yeah, because there's a, we have some younger uh, people there, but they also need to remember where we came from. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's what you're basically doing here is you're not only teaching uh, the younger people about uh, myself being a seasoned uh, archer and some of the things that we went through, but to appreciate, you know, them being able to go to, uh, what do you got, uh, oh, that uh, sportsman warehouse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be able to, or archery, I don't know how many archery shops you have in town, but just to be able to go in there and pick whatever you want yeah. and, and then, you know, look at it. We had nothing to look at but a picture in a picture, magazine. Yeah. So and hope for the best. Oh, no, it was not the best. <laughs> I got stuff like that in my uh, kit that I have for the bow hunter education. I said, this is what we used to use. They go, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 